We are in the throes of December as we welcome you into this edition of the Quick Six with Jason Martin here, courtesy of 104.5 The Zone and 104.5 The Zone podcast. My producer, Will Bowling, who helps me put the show together in terms of the tech side and getting it out to you. Always appreciate his efforts, as we all do here at The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can find me there. This is where I react to football. I will have a show on Wednesday and on Friday in the Big Six slot, and then it might be a little bit after that. And, of course, we're getting closer and closer to the Christmas season, so you may hear me popping up on other shows more often than usual, whether that's on Fox Sports Radio without kick the coverage or 3HL as I hosted with Buck Rising and Mickey last week, and there's a couple more days of that coming before the end of the year, and who knows what else. So stick around. Plus, we're writing a whole lot over the Big Six blog. Three pieces went up yesterday, Mandalorian Chapter 5, Watchmen Episode 8, which was a mind-blower to say the least, and the Titans takeaway piece. But here we pretty much talk football. We do it as fast and economically and efficiently as we can. Also tonight, by the way, I'm screening Jumanji, the next level. Super excited about that. Have the piece up on that as soon as the embargo lifts and I'm able to actually publish that. I think the embargo actually uh, will go down tomorrow sometime around lunchtime. So it should be maybe tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, something like that. You'll be able to read that article at 1045thezone.com slash big6blog, which I hope you've already got um, bookmarked. Okay, Titans win again. Titans beat the Raiders 42-21. to It was a close game at the half. Both teams were moving the ball well in the first half. Second half was all Titans. Defense kind of woke up, made it a little bit more difficult on Derek Carr and company, and Tannehill on the offense just playing outrageous football. Almost 400 yards passing for Tannehill, three touchdowns, one interception off a deflection in the first quarter. He was nearly flawless. He and A.J. Brown have unbelievable chemistry. It manifests itself repeatedly and increasingly. Two of the last three games, A.J.'s gone over 130 yards receiving. In this one, he's just under 160 and a couple of scores, one of them that looked like it was almost a Juwan Jennings play where he was just fighting off a couple of tacklers, using that 230-pound frame to every bit of its possible advantage. But this is really good, folks. I don't know what else you're supposed to say. The Titans are on an absolute tear. They've lost one of their last seven football games. Four in a row they've won. They're 8-5. and five. They're tied in the AFC South with the Houston Texans, who, because they have a better conference record at 7-3 and three and a better division record at 3-1, and one, still actually have the edge over the Titans. But that's going to work itself out. Because if the Titans handle their business and somehow beat the Texans twice, then they're going to win the division. It's basically that simple. And if they win out, then obviously they're going to be in. If they lose a game, it's going to get tough because the Pittsburgh Steelers are sitting there at 8-5 and five as well. Right now, projections have them about a 60% chance to make the playoffs to the Titans 50, and the Bills are still at 95 despite the fact that they've got the Patriots still to go, and if they drop another game, it'll be them and Pittsburgh neck and neck at 9-5. and five. Titans have a real shot to make the playoffs. I don't want to say they're not going to. Because I actually think they're a pretty good football team now. You know the joke. Over the last few weeks, I've been flipping a coin to determine what I think's happening week to week. Because of how inconsistent the team is, why would you start trying to analyze a bunch of numbers when it doesn't matter? Well, the team's been pretty consistent lately. Defense hasn't blown me away as of late, especially the past defense. They're ranked in the 
you know, bottom 10, around 27th in the league entering yesterday's game. And Derek Carr looked good in the first half. In the second half, they settled down a little bit. They, they do have some injuries. But you would anticipate that's going to need to change against Deshaun Watson and Drew Brees or you're going to struggle. Drew Brees, because the Saints lost to the Niners, probably is going to be playing and they're all going to need that win if they're still trying to compete for a bye. The fact that the Seahawks lost last night means it's going to be an arms race, and you know the Seahawks finish up the season with the Niners, and the Niners at that point may have nothing to play for. So the Saints are probably going to be full bull when they get to Nissan Stadium in a couple of weeks. So the pass defense worries me, but the offense is making up for it. Derrick Henry, another 100-yard game. That's a month straight of those. This was... They used him early in this game. He almost hit double-figure carries in the first quarter, but he didn't finish with 20 on the game just because Tannehill started playing great. There were a couple of short fields, and Henry was chewing up bigger yardage on some of those other carries. And there's only so many possessions in a football game that moved pretty rapidly, moved pretty abruptly. But if you were looking right now just at the playoff standings, in the NFL, in the AFC. You've got Ravens, Patriots, Chiefs, Texans right now. And the Ravens have already clinched. And with the Raiders losing, the Chiefs, I believe, have already clinched the division as well. And then it's Bills at 9-4, Steelers at 8-5, and and then right beneath is the Titans. And then outside of that, everybody's two games back. Oakland losing pretty much ended their chances at six and seven. Browns are six and seven. Colts are six and seven, going in the wrong direction. Broncos, Chargers, and it gets worse from there. So the Titans have everything in front of them. The question now is, and the report from Diana Rossini of ESPN was the internal discussions are happening inside of the Titans organization about handing Ryan Tannehill. A new contract, not a franchise tag, not a bridge deal, but a real long-term contract to become the guy in Tennessee. I am not ready to go there yet. This is a hot streak. Mike Tanier of the Bleacher Report yesterday said, are the Titans really going to pay for a hot streak? I'm not saying that he's going to come completely down to earth. I'm saying that even Ryan Tannehill knows that there are going to be lean times that he needs to catch in as best he can right now. He looks great right now. There's nothing else negative to say about what he's doing. But he is a guy who, I mean, you just, I find it hard to believe that everything was him being in Miami. I know the health was the main thing. And he looks to be a perfect fit and a perfect match with this offense right now. His passer rating is you know, top two, top three in the league, maybe now number one in the league over this last stretch. What he did yesterday, and I put this out at the Big Six blog, he made a list that only Aaron Rodgers in 2011 and only Russell Wilson in 2015 had been on previously. And there's not, again, there. I don't know exactly what you can say negative here. This team's core is Derrick Henry, but increasingly it's more Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry together. The defense has not played as well, and it hasn't mattered. This team's averaged 37.5 points in its last four games. It's eclipsed 40 twice, including yesterday against Oakland, on the road. The Tana Thrill moniker 
was more about what he was able to do late in games and comeback situations. They don't even need that right now. Pulled away from the Colts late in a close game last week, and then this week just they were the better football team, especially with Josh Jacobs not playing, and they did exactly what a good football team is supposed to do, which is beat a team you're supposed to beat and win the games that you have to win. You're not a great team because you go beat New England or you go beat Baltimore. Because anybody can be beaten. You're and you have talent. I mean you have professional talents making millions of dollars. Every team does. Even the one in eleven Bengals do. You know, any given Sunday, that whole deal. The key, the first real step and the first real sign that you're becoming a pretty good to good football team is when you're handling business against the also rans, you're handling business against teams on your level, you're handling business against Teams where everybody says you should win. And yesterday, without Josh Jacobs in that game, or maybe even with him, the Titans should win that game against the Raiders, and they did. What they're doing is immensely impressive. Credit to Arthur Smith for starting to tailor an offense over this last stretch that really seems to fit the personnel that's on the field. Credit to A.J. Brown, who's a beast, to Derrick Henry, who's a beast, a bigger beast, and to Ryan Tannehill. I mean, I can't. I wonder what Marcus Mariota is thinking on the sidelines watching this. And the offensive line, they got had a couple of times yesterday, and Derrick Henry was running into some walls early in that game too. But I'm not hearing Lawan's name and penalty next to it. I'm not hearing X penalty on 77 for Tennessee. So good for ta- for Taylor Lawan as well for settling himself down a little bit remember no Delaney Walker out there and Johnu Smith's out there making some plays Ferks are catching a touchdown pass yesterday it really feels like a team when Tannehill is out there throwing that ball around and finding everybody what they're doing is outstanding I I told you after the Buffalo and Denver games I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs I still stick by that This stretch that's left is the hardest stretch any team has in the NFL. Texans twice, both of them division games, and now the Texans coming off a bad loss at home against Denver, and the Saints wedged in between where the Saints are probably going to need to win. Can they win all three? Yes. Can they definitely win two? Yes. But if they don't beat the Texans twice, do you think they're getting the wild card? That is the question. That's what you need to ask yourself. The Bills have the Jets. So that's probably going to be their 10th win right there, okay? Steelers, here's what's left. Bills, Jets, Ravens, okay? Steelers could beat the Bills. They get them at home. It's a Sunday night football game coming up this week. At the Jets, the Steelers should win that game. And then at Baltimore, Baltimore may have the number one seed sewn up by that point, and they will not be playing any kind of we-need-to-win football. So the Steelers could have a real easy one there. They could easily finish 11 and 5. At worst, they could finish 10 and 6. I don't think they're going to drop all three of these games. And you got to be impressed with them considering what they don't have and what they let walk out the door that they're doing this job right now. Now for the Bills. The Bills have Steelers, Patriots, Jets. Jets in the final game of the season. They may need that game to get into the postseason. Maybe they finish 10 and 6. But if they finish 10 and 6 and the Titans finish 10 and 6, Buffalo has beaten them head to head. This is this is all I have talked about for near, since that game was played. Since they beat Tennessee in Nashville 
in week five, I said that's the one that's going to bite them, and it might be for the second year in a row because I argue last year that loss to the Bills is the one they shouldn't have had. This year they lost to a team that was going to be near them in the wild card standings and right now is above them by a couple of games in those standings. And the head-to-head is the thing that you look at and you just have to fear if you're a Titans fan that this may not go your way because of things that happened before. It might have been a little too little, a little too late. But here's the thing. You just got to go beat the Texans twice. It's that simple. If they go out and they lose on Sunday in Nashville, I think that's it. That's how small the margin for error is. This is college football time. And let me tell you how good it can go to being kind of bad real quick. Utah on Thursday and even Friday afternoon had a game with Oregon coming up and everybody wanted to find a way to get them into the college football playoff. All they needed to do was beat Oregon. They got some help on Saturday. Oklahoma struggled to beat Baylor in overtime. Georgia lost. Wisconsin lost. It was right there for them. All they had to do was take care of business against Oregon. They couldn't do it. Guess where they're playing? In the Alamo Bowl. That is life coming at you fast. Other games, we you know, Bears-Cowboys, the Cowboys situation, we've talked about it plenty. I talked about it on the Big Six, uh, and we did it on 3HL as well as the Jason Martin Show on FSR. We don't have to do too much there. Falcons over Panthers by 20. Panthers... Lose after letting Ron Rivera go. Rivera will land somewhere else. His message may have been tuned out or it might have just been time for a change of scenery or something new. That team's going to look much different. They're going to look to trade Cam in the offseason. They're going to have to find a way to try and pay Christian McCaffrey, but they've got to handle their quarterback problem first. There's just a lot of issues there. The Falcons, plenty of issues there. That's two disappointing teams at this point. Falcons are a four-win team that put up 40 points. And Ryan hit the 50,000-yard mark, I think, for his career. Something like that, which puts him on a very, very nice list as well. He threw two scores yesterday. Neither one of those teams is going anywhere. Ravens over the Bills. Bills fought him hard. Wasn't a great day for Lamar Jackson in terms of just a statistical number. But he still threw three touchdowns in the ballgame. And they won it 24-17. to They're winning however they need to win it. Bills have a good defense, so you're usually not going to blow them out, and that's what you saw. Singletary had a nice day on the ground for the Bills, 89 yards. But Jackson did what Jackson does. He caused havoc. He was hard to deal with, and he made plays when he had to make plays. He's the NFL MVP. You can go ahead and mark it down right now. Browns over the Bengals, no big shock there. Um, eh, 27-19, to 19, but Dalton's back out there at quarterback. He threw a pick, no touchdowns. Browns are 6-7. and seven. This is kind of what we thought is that they would start to win games late and make this season look better than it actually is because their schedule is not difficult down the stretch. Packers with a very unimpressive win over the Redskins 20-15 to 15 at Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers again doesn't throw for 200 yards. The best Aaron on the team right now in terms of production and has been much of the season is Aaron Jones, who had 16 carries for 134 and a touch. Also, six catches for 58 yards. Aaron Jones has been playing great football. Aaron Rodgers, he's past the days where he was going to throw four or five touchdowns a ball game. You're just not seeing that anymore. And it's not because LaFleur hadn't done a good job. It's just because Aaron Rodgers is getting a little bit older. 
and they have squandered some of that window, but they're still a 10-3 and football team, and he's still a great quarterback, and they could still easily win the Super Bowl. Vikings over the Lions. Lions have totally fallen apart. Matt Patricia is in pretty tight with the front office there. He needs to be because that's the only reason he will keep his job because he certainly shouldn't based on this two-year experiment that has absolutely not worked. Dalvin Cook scores again, and the Vikings are 9-4. and four. So it's Packers and Vikings there, and both those teams probably will make the playoffs, assuming they continue to win. 49ers over the Saints in a shootout, and this was a great day for Jimmy Garoppolo. Four touchdown passes for him. They end up kicking a field goal at the end to win it 48-46. to This was impressive. I'm still not sold on Garoppolo as being particularly special, but yesterday he certainly, within the confines of Kyle Shanahan's offense, did everything you can ask for and then some. Drew Brees threw five touchdowns yesterday and 349 yards. This was not the defensive struggle, and it wasn't the 49ers defense that we had seen, but this offense makes a lot of people look bad. Emmanuel Sanders, who was acquired in that trade midseason, panning out. Seven catches, 157, and a touch for him for San Francisco, who are likely to be the number one seed. I'm still trying. I'm waiting to see them drop another couple of games, but now I'm starting to think it's actually not going to happen. 49ers Saints was anticipated as it started and ended well. This team, they they play Atlanta this week. They'll win that game, go to 12-2. and two. Rams beat the Seahawks last night on Sunday Night Football, which I predicted on Fox Sports Radio because Seattle's been living too close to the edge in these close football games, and I wasn't sure that I had seen a less impressive, very good team in terms of the record than that, and the Rams needed a win desperately and went out and got one. Played a pretty good offensive game against the Seahawks, got themselves at least back into the discussion for finishing strong and eking into the playoffs. But Falcons for Niners, they will win. Rams, they still should win, but the Rams are going to be playing hard in that game, but it's Rams-Seahawks to end for the Niners. I still think they will find a way to lose at least one more, but they're really good. I still don't think Jimmy G is some transcendent player, though, and I don't think I'm alone in that. Jets over the Dolphins, 22-21. to Both teams had good things. Both teams had bad things. Darnold, a couple of touchdowns, 270 yards. And Fitzpatrick did a couple of things as well. Devontae Parker was knocked out of the game, I think, with a head injury. So that didn't help Miami's cause. Who cares? Those teams are going nowhere. It's a three. It's a combined eight wins out of, you know, 26 games. Bucks over the Colts. Well, Jameis Winston. Four touchdowns. This is one of those days. He can throw four picks or he can throw four touchdowns. He throws four touchdowns in this game. Marlon Mack is back in, but only he doesn't even hit 40 yards. That Bucks run defense steps up, plays well again, and the Colts lose. And this is this is pretty much it for them. They've fallen beneath 500 to 6-7. and seven. The injury to T.Y. Hilton, who didn't play again yesterday, that's pretty much been it for them because Brissett just hadn't had enough around him. You can't survive too long throwing to Jack Doyle as your primary target as a wide receiver, especially when Marlon Mack is also out of the game. Broncos, Drew Locke, three touchdowns in the first half for my football team over the Houston Texans. I'm still shocked. He only had five incompletions yesterday, 309 and three scores. I don't think I'm any more shocked than the Houston Texans are. 
as they thought this was going to be nine and four and still in control, and now they find themselves tied in the win loss number with the Titans as they're headed here on Sunday. That was something. And the Flacco deal is something bad. And I have no idea what Elway was thinking. I didn't like it when it was done. You've heard me talk about that a number of different times. But Drew Locke, I mean, I, I have no idea if that's sustainable or not. But, boy, he looked apart yesterday. And that gives me some hope for the future. Chargers crush the Jaguars. Jaguars has fallen apart. Marone's not going to survive it. Uh, the quarterback decisions they've made have ruined that franchise again. Not drafting Bortles, that made sense at the time. But the money they paid him after the year they went deep into the playoffs and then the Foles deal, not paying off. Although it's not like Minshew tore it up yesterday. They got beat by 35 points. Chiefs over the Pats. Pick this one too. Finally, somebody wins in Foxborough. That does not happen very often. In fact, it might be the third time in the last 11 years that it's happened and the first time in a minute. But the Chiefs are a better team than the Patriots right now if it gets into any kind of a scoring situation. Still close because that's the Patriots. If this game were in January, I still would have picked New England. That's just until they prove they can't do it, I can't go against them. But the Chiefs, I have them in the Super Bowl before the season. They needed this win. They're up to nine. There are still some real flaws there, and that defense can be exploited. So I don't know who's going to get them in the playoffs, but somebody certainly might. But they still have the talent offensively to get it done. They have such an embarrassment of weapons, including McCole Hardman, who caught one of those touchdowns in the first half off of Mahomes, who just kind of had another decent day, 26 of 40 in a touchdown. It was 15 degrees in Foxborough. Not ideal. Stewart's over the Cardinals in a close ball game. For a second there, thought Arizona might get that done. Not quite. Kyler Murray, couple touchdowns, didn't look terrible. But the Steelers are in a position to control their destiny as well. With their record right now and the expectation the Bills, well, they get the Bills. So, I mean, if they beat the Bills and they have the same thing, but they've beaten them head-to-head, then they're going to get the nod in terms of that fifth spot in the wild card. So it all sits in front of them. And then the Rams we just talked about beat the Seahawks. Monday night game is awful. It's Philadelphia who does have some playoff hopes because of how bad that division is, under 500, and they're still right there. And then the Giants, who are a two-win team, and Eli Manning is going to play. I don't really have too much else to say there. Let's talk about college football real quick. The Bulls are out. The top four is out. If you saw my Twitter at jmartzone on Saturday, then you saw a large debate raging between LSU and Ohio State. I have said for nine weeks that LSU is the best team in the country, and I continue to say that. What they did to Georgia was unbelievable. They didn't beat Georgia. They killed them. You may think Georgia's overrated. I thought Georgia's offense was not good, period, this year. But this is still a team that took Alabama to the limit with that very same quarterback, Jake Fromm, over the last two years. It's still a team that the committee had ranked number four, and they beat them by 27 points. Ohio State then played Wisconsin for the second time and fell behind by two touchdowns at halftime, came back, scored 27 unanswered to win. When you look at their wins, yes, they had one more top 25 win, and their margin of victory was larger than LSU's. And people point to, oh, well, they gave up 400 yards against Ole Miss, meaning the Tigers, on the ground. That's not the number one team in the country. Listen, they won that game 58-37. to They won it by three touchdowns and nearly put up 60 points on an SEC opponent. Ole Miss, not great. We get it. We'll see what Lane Kiffin's going to do. That's going to change some things. 
And he deserves that job, by the way. But since that point, to end the season, in LSU's three subsequent games, they've only given up a 42% completion percentage to opposing quarterbacks. They're only giving up 2.7 yards per rush. And they've gotten 12 sacks in those three games. And regardless of whether you thought Georgia was overrated or not, the committee didn't because they had them at number four. They were in the SEC championship game, and they didn't even look like they deserved to be in the same conference with LSU by the end of that game. LSU deserved to be number one. No win was more impressive this year than going to Tuscaloosa and beating Tua, who was on the field for the entire game against LSU. Winning that game on the road was the Heisman moment for Joe Burrow before the Heisman moment that we saw on Saturday on that rollout play, that escape and the throw down field. And then the win against Georgia is more impressive than anything Ohio State's done. Even if you think oh, that Georgia's overrated, do you know who the debate was between four and five in the committee room yesterday? It was between Oklahoma, who had just won the Big, Ten, Big 12 championship over Baylor, beating them twice, and Georgia. It wasn't Pac-12 champion Oregon. It wasn't anybody else. It was Georgia, who had just gotten crushed by LSU. The committee loved them. Even if you did not love them, a win as thunderous as LSU had over a team that the committee liked in that situation should have propelled them to number one. Also, they beat five top ten teams or teams that were in the top ten when they played them ranked. Two of them were nine. One of them was seven. One was six. One was four, I believe. I might have just seen almost six, but there were only five of them. That's pretty impressive. How impressive? It hasn't been done since the 40s when Notre Dame did it. I think it was 43, but I don't want to give you – I'm not totally sure. It's either 43 or 48. So it's been over 70 years since somebody did that. And you could say – somebody told me, don't include Texas. That's lazy. When they beat Texas on the road, Texas was a top-10 team. Texas was back, remember? I didn't say that, but other people did. And then, yeah, they turned out not to be very good. And I don't know if maybe they lost their heart after LSU beat them 45-38 to on the road, but at the time they played them, does count. They were ranked at that point in time. Clemson went through the season without playing a single-ranked team, if you want to look at it from the same metric that you're trying to apply to LSU because they beat 23rd-ranked Virginia by about 700 points in the ACC title game, and Virginia's no longer ranked in the top 25, and that was the only one they had. Their schedule wasn't great. Dabo Swinney trying to play the victim card, don't like it at all. Doesn't make any sense. They've won two of the last three national championships. They've played in three of the last four. Nobody has forgotten how good they are. In fact, the ultimate respect is, Everybody is arguing over who should be one and two between LSU and Ohio State, two very good programs, because nobody wants to see Clemson in that 2-3 matchup in the semis because they would much rather see Clemson in the national championship game, which may be what we're going to see. So if anybody wants to play a victim card, and I said this on FSR and I said it on Twitter yesterday, the victim card is in Oklahoma, not in South Carolina. Lincoln Riley can play that card. He can sit in front of his guys, and I would do this. I would say, do you realize that the entire country, all these fan bases, college football fans, are arguing so hard over who should be the number one team because they want to play you because they think you're frauds. They don't think we're very good. 
They don't even think we deserve to be here. They saw that Baylor game, and they want nothing more than to come here and beat our brains in. Are you going to let them? You want to inspire somebody, that's how you do it. You tell them nobody's taking you seriously. That chip-on-shoulder card can be played real effectively by Lincoln Riley over the next few weeks because that team's good enough. That team could win it all. They've had better teams over the past few years or better offenses, certainly, with Heisman Trophy quarterbacks and Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And as good as Jalen Hurts has been, Jalen Hurts ain't those guys. Not on the field, not as a passer. Maybe as a leader, he's better than both. But there is no victim card to be played in Clemson. No one is going to be the least bit surprised if they win the national championship. It's basically a pick em game right now against Ohio State, who some people clearly said was the best team in the country. It probably would have been relatively close if LSU had been in that spot too. So your four game, your two games, LSU and Oklahoma, and Clemson and Ohio State, they should both be dandies. We hope Clemson Ohio State should really be a dandy, and then of course the winner of that game meets LSU Oklahoma. I think we are going to get, uh, you know what? I don't know. I think we're going to get LSU and Clemson, and I think that before the season I said Clemson would repeat. And then I saw LSU, and I think LSU was the best team. But if you really think about T. Higgins and ATN and Lawrence, and they've been there before, and the talent on that defense, I want to pick against Clemson. I mean, I, I want to try to find a way to avoid picking Clemson here. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with LSU and say they're the best team, and they're going to prove it. But if Clemson wins, I don't think anybody should be particularly surprised by that. Coaching moves. Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss, that ought to be fun. Tennessee playing Indiana in the Gator Bowl. And I found out today we're going to have a Tennessee tailgate show that day, New Year's Eve, with me and Joey Kent. So that'll be something to look forward to prior to the Vol Network coverage on the zone of that game. Not a sexy matchup, man. When it looked like they were coming here, I was much more interested in seeing Tennessee and Louisville than I am Tennessee-Indiana. Indiana had a good year. They're a good football team, but there ain't nothing sexy about that. There's nothing particularly interesting about that. Tennessee finishing the way that they finished, similar to the way the Titans are playing right now, and they have a chance to finish in an even more stellar way. But this you know, this is a game where I think most of their fans are going to think they should win, and Indiana will be tough. I think they will win it too. I just look at it and just like, well, here's definitely one of those bowl games that's not going to have much national attention, even though it's being played as close to New Year's as it is. It's still a great reward to the Tennessee Vols, but I saw the opponent on the ledger and was just like, oh, man, not exactly a marquee matchup when you're matching up with the Hoosiers in football in the Gator Bowl. But still, congratulations to Tennessee nonetheless. So that's a look at everything that's on my brain right now. We could go into much more detail about Lane Kiffin and all of this, but we got plenty of time to do that. There will be stories that will drop over this week. We'll see if there are any more coaching changes made. You got Jerry Jones shouting expletives in interviews after that Cowboys loss on Thursday night football, in which they look bad doing so. You know, there's plenty of things that I could get into into more depth, but I kind of want to keep this thing just over a half hour, keep this thing to a solid Mandalorian episode length. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. Titans, that's fun, man. It's it's fun covering sports in this state again right now because you got the Vols about to play in a bowl game and the way that they finished the season and a lot of, a lot of interest. And 
questions about the Tennessee Titans' future as it relates to are they going to make the playoffs and what are they going to do with this quarterback that looks so good right now? Are are they overpaying or are they about to overpay? Is this a hot streak? How much does he come back down to earth? Or is this just what we're going to expect? You can get excited about this, but I still don't know if I would hand him the keys to the castle just yet. I need to get to the end of this season. I need to see the postseason. And then we can address it. I still think a bridge deal or maybe three-year max is about it. And you still are probably already looking for the future, trying to draft somebody this year in one of the later rounds to see if that guy can become a guy for you long-term. I got quite there because I was like, is Tannehill still going to be here in five years? And is this going to be just a moment where we're all stunned at just everything that he's been able to accomplish and he goes down as such a great – I don't know. He looks great right now, and that's, I guess, all that matters at current. Just get through the season. Keep him healthy. Keep Derrick Henry healthy. Keep A.J. Brown healthy. He went down a few times yesterday and – had a day where he's limited in practice last week, and they're going to need him to be sure. But these two Texans games and the Saints game, boy, it's everybody's watching. That's the marquee game, I believe, in the early slate for CBS next week is them in Houston. It was the very first thing that was mentioned on their big graphic where they show all the games, and they show them basically in order of importance. You get those regional games at the bottom, then you get that one that's in bigger font. The one that was in bigger font was Houston at Tennessee. That's what Ryan Tannehill has done. That is what Derrick Henry has done. That is what this streak has done. It has put you back on the national map. Titans have not responded well to that in the past. This team feels a little bit different. I'm going to keep flipping a coin right now out of superstition, but I feel like this team doesn't deserve to be called inconsistent right now. Not the way they're playing, not this streak. You're not inconsistent when you've won six or seven football games. And you seem to be getting better, not holding on for dear life. So congrats, and good work by the fighting Vrabels. That's it for the Quick Six. Remember, Jumanji piece later this week. Also going to write on Dark Waters. I've got that screener sitting right in front of me right now. I need to take the time to watch it because I wasn't able to get to the theater to to see the, the press availability for it a few weeks ago. A lot of stuff coming down the pipe the Big Six blog. I'll be on Wednesday and Friday on the Big Six at 6. We're going to try and get a, a pretty big squared circle radio recorded this week as well. We wanted to do it over this past few days, but the schedules plus the availability of a room to get it done in uh, just didn't pan out, unfortunately. We're going to do kind of a supersized one with a whole lot of content, so be on the lookout for that as well. And some Pop 6 stuff. We were planning on doing a lot of Star Wars cast, and you get to the holidays, and a lot of that stuff doesn't end up coming to fruition the way that you want. But we're definitely going to do something on Rise of Skywalker and... We're going to try to find a way to weave in some of the stuff from the past uh, through that process as well. So there is a whole lot to come, plus some fun coming up at the end of the year as well that I don't want to tell you about just yet. So appreciate you as always. Find me on Twitter at jmartzone. This has been the Quick 6 on this Monday, December the 9th, 2019. Depending on when you're listening to this, clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. God bless and good morning, good afternoon, or good night from the Music City.